I hope you've been able to read along in the Proverbs together. It's not too late to catch up. I, I believe there's something that happens within the life of a church when we can all take an opportunity to be together, reading the same things day by day. It'll bless our conversations in Sunday schools and small groups, uh, but also something I think special can happen just uh, within us as we're all looking to God's Word and His direction in the same way. So today, hopefully you've read through, or later today you'll read Proverbs 19. So we're looking at the themes from 13 through 19, and really, that's all you can do with Proverbs that I've found, is preach the themes. It's just hard to go through one passage, although in Proverbs 15, you find everything we've already talked about. In this one chapter, we're, we're talking about what do we do with our eyes, what do we do with our ears, the importance of words, this issue about money keeps coming up, or laziness, the importance of counselors, and the critical nature, as, as Renee reminded us again, of parent and child issues, and us to be faithful on both, both ends of that. We said as we began as well, not only will we look at the themes, but really, what does Proverbs mean? It has to do, the definition has to do with a comparison or a parallel, and you've bumped into that this week a lot too. Better is this than that. Better is this than that. So we're going back to Proverbs 15. This is one of my favorite Proverbs, and it's got all those themes in it. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up cries. Or the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. The reason I have that memorized is not because I'm a great Bible scholar. I actually wrote a song about this proverb when I was a freshman in college. Nobody's going to ask. Okay, I won't sing it. I tried. I put it out there. I got you. I won't sing it. But these are great words to hold on to. There's so many themes just in this one chapter. And again, y'all, Proverbs is not, we're going to talk about it again today because this theme has come up again. Proverbs is not just a book about how to avoid sin. It's also not just a book about how to fix your life. It's also a book about how to flourish with God. How is it that I can have a deep life with him? I can stay close to him and, and be in the middle of what he has for me. And we're going to talk about that too this morning. But a, but a critical point for Proverbs is that it's got to play out. It's not just to read this. And I don't know, I bet you're having trouble remembering Proverbs 15 from Proverbs 14. Or Proverbs from today, from yesterday, because there's so many themes in it. I've talked to a few of you that it's hard to hold on to this because there's 20 subjects in just one chapter. But those themes and those call from God upon our lives, they have to play out into a practical righteousness. Not just so that our lives can flourish, but, but, but a great reminder here is this is a key way in which you and I do evangelism today if what we receive from the lord in his word doesn't play out in our lives in this day and in this culture people will not respond to our faith or to our invitations you remember francis schaefer his famous quote the great cause of atheism in america is due to believers who say one thing with their lips on sundays and then walk out the door and live another way during the rest of the week an unbelieving world simply finds that unbelievable. They just won't respond to a life that has not been changed. But when you and I do the hard work of cooperating with the Holy Spirit and being careful with what we say, doing the hard work 
of discipling our children and the children of our church well. When people bump into that, what's different about you? I just heard a testimony this week of somebody who came to Saving Faith. Why? Because they bumped into somebody at work and couldn't understand why they were the way that they were. It's a practical righteousness following these words so that we just might have the opportunity to share our faith. But understand what Robert Coleman said in his book, The Master Plan of Evangelism. You are the exhibit. You. How you and I live. The attitudes that we carry, that's the exhibit of who Jesus is. So as we read these words, I hope that blesses our doctrine. I hope the Lord's doing something in our hearts, but also how is it this needs to play out in my life so that others might see Jesus in and through me. Now, before we do anything about how to do that, if you've been reading this week, there is so much here about the glory of God. There is so much here that speaks of His character, especially of His sovereignty. You see it in our chapter today. Again, not only are the eyes of the Lord are in every place, uh, but also Sheol and Abaddon, the very abyss, lie open. If you drop down to verse 11, lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. He is all-seeing, He's omnipotent but, and omnipresent uh, and all-knowing. But it's also this reminder, if you go to the next chapter, 16.4 and 16.9, He has made everything for His purpose. The Lord directs our steps. Even to the point, you go back to chapter 15 at the end, and this makes us a little uncomfortable. He talks about casting lots. Does that make you uncomfortable? To cast lots to see what the, well, the priests did it uh, when, they, when they decided who would be the disciple after Judas in the book uh, uh, in the book of Acts. They did that once. John Wesley, our founder, cast lots once. That's how Sarah decided she was marrying me. She just rolled, no, she didn't. Why would they do those things? I'm not saying that ought to be a practice of the church, but they understood the sovereignty of God, that God is in the middle of everything. Sometimes it's hard to see that. Sometimes we're so fast-paced, we missed it. But the, the, the writer of Proverbs is saying to us, he's in every step. He has a design and a purpose for every step. Now be careful. He is different from every other faith and every other so-called God of this world. So many of the so-called gods of this world would say they don't care about whether there is sin or not. Most are amoral. Some would say that when the, when the towers fell in New York, that, that God directed all that. He was the cause of all of that. And other faiths are very comfortable saying that. That's not the God of the Old and New Testament. God who is intimately involved with his people, purposing our steps, but never connected, never connected with evil. Always connected. Just have you bumped into, have you begun to count how many, we'll talk about it in a minute, how many passages have to do with justice this week? How many, how many passages have to do with fairness? But also then how many passages have to do with compassion? Of God being broken for those and making sure his people are broken for those who are on the margins. As we read these, read these words, we need to learn what is, it, what is it we need to be about. But understand, there's so much here for who God is. A God who is sovereign. He's watching over us. Even when we don't sense it or feel it, God is watching over his people, and he is directing their steps. 
So let's go to some of the themes this morning. We won't spend a whole lot of time in this, but one of the themes that has come up again, you see it in Proverbs 14, 7, uh, 14, 27. You see it four different times in chapter 13 is this reminder again to avoid evil because not only do we not want to be marked with that for our ministry, but also it talks about the corporate consequences of not avoiding evil. Proverbs 14.7 says, leave the presence of a fool. Proverbs 14.27 says the, that one may avoid the snares of death. And then four different passages in 13, 1, 10, 18, and 20, talk about those who will suffer harm by not avoiding uh, sin. 2019 and 22:24 through 25, it's a reminder as you get into this week, you'll see it again. If you don't avoid those who speak poorly, then all of a sudden you're going to find yourselves speaking poorly. Uh, the company you keep, mama was right, <laughs> the company you keep. Um, and Proverbs sadly plays out in horrific ways. Um, some of you may remember David Yamas. Um, David was a youth over in the reservoir area. David was a sweetheart of a kid. Went to the Roman Catholic Church in Flowood, and every once in a while he would come visit my youth group when I was the youth pastor at St. Mark's uh, Methodist Church on the reservoir. Um, sweetheart of a kid. Uh, would hang out afterwards and play basketball, and I got to know him just a little bit. Um, but one evening, as kids do, and by the way, every, every community has this. So if you were in South Jackson, you ran up and down which road? No South Jackson people? McDowell Road okay uh if you I, at where i pastored in mcgee it was the square they just i know this is true from a friend in calhoun city you just kind of run the square for some towns it's the hangout at the crystal or the pizza whatever it is everybody every town has their hangout spot and so david was there with with all the kids hanging out and somebody got word that the police were coming and there was a lot of people in this place doing some bad things david wasn't one of those David was, I think, an eighth grade kid, maybe ninth grade, but I think an eighth grade at the time. And so everybody was jumping into cars. We got to get out of here because the cops are coming. And so one of my students jumped into a car, and David said, hey, would you scoot over and move over? I'd like to sit here. And so David sat there, and my kid moved over there. And uh, they took off in a car. He didn't really know the guy, but jumped in the car to get out of there because he didn't want to get in trouble. And within about 500 yards, the guy who was driving, who was wildly drunk, and David didn't know it, and the guy who had been in trouble several times for being drunk behind the wheel, David didn't know that. He bounced off a tree or a pole, and he, and he killed David. David was in a place that he shouldn't have been, and David was with a person. that is just innocent. Here's David, this sweetheart of a kid, and to, and to just see the brokenness of the, the entire student body over the loss of that kid, knowing sweetheart of a kid, seemed to have things going in the right direction in his life. But he got in the middle of a place and with a people he, should, he shouldn't have been with. And Proverbs, y'all, this is a real book. This isn't just some beautiful, high platitudes about the faith. This talks about real stuff. Again, as we said last week, you and I have got to engage people where they are. The only way a broken and lost world finds Jesus is because Christians will do the hard work and the careful work of building relationships with people that don't know Jesus. But at the same time, we still have to guard our hearts. 
At the same time, we have to avoid folly. And Proverbs is reminding us of that, to be careful to follow the leading of the Lord, to avoid sin, avoid its consequences, yet still be engaging. Proverbs pulls no punches. It's a great check for us this week as we think about our lives and what we watch, where we go, what we do, what we laugh at, where we find ourselves spending time, do those things avoid evil? Or are they becoming a snare for us? What's the fallout from that? Proverbs, again, pulls no punches on that. And then this second reminder, and this is an issue that sometimes in church we sure don't like to talk about it. Ben and I joked, I already preached the money sermon this year, so I'm not allowed to talk about money anymore. Uh, But Wesley talked about it all the time. Uh, Jesus talked about it all the time. And you find it here in Proverbs. God, through His Spirit, is talking about it all the time. He's talking about the importance for those in business to be fair. For those in business not to cheat, not to bribe. He talks about the troubles that can even come with money. Proverbs, the proverb for today, 4 through 6. Many will entreat the favor of a generous man. If you've been blessed with that in your life, and by the way, if we're living in America, we've all been blessed with that, but if you've been blessed with an incredible amount of wealth, I, I talked to a mega church pastor from Oklahoma one time. He had one of the largest Methodist churches in the country. And what he said to me struck me. This was years ago, but I found it to be true. He said, everybody in my congregation who is incredibly blessed with wealth, it's an issue for them. Everyone I know. And it may not be an issue for them in terms of being a snare, but it's an issue because they are bombarded all the time by family members and by this and by that. And Proverbs calls out this very everyday thing of people, whether it's Proverbs 20, 21 tomorrow, children trying to grab at your inheritance or people trying to get at you in Proverbs 19. And you see Solomon talking over and over again, chapter 16, 20, 17, you've read all this, about the importance of integrity with that. Um, You can't miss Old Testament and New Testament. We cannot miss God's call to right stewardship and to be careful, but also to be giving. I love that song, Elizabeth, wherever you are. It's about the giver and not the giving. To give praise to him for for him, for who he is and his provision, and not to be consumed with what we get. And the goodness of God is you see his love and his care for those on the margin. You see the way in which he provides. I'll give you a testimony of that. I had asked Sarah permission to share this with you all today. At one point in our ministry, um, we were at a place, and we, we had come from, my kids were in Jackson Public Schools, so I want to be careful how I say this. I'm being as careful as I can when I say this, okay? Uh, our kids have both been in private and public schools. We were in public school in Jackson, okay, and uh, had a great experience there. And then when we got moved to another place, we were at a place where the past pastor we followed and others just, they didn't, it was, a, it was a really bad situation. And so we were invested in the public school there and we even helped start a character club there to minister to kids, but it just wasn't an option for us where we with, were with our kids at that time. Um, but as a pastor, it was a struggle financially to have three kids in, in a private school. And so we were really struggling with that. 
And so to do that for multiple years, we were at the point of what are we going to do with finances and having three kids there. And we had gone to a preacher's conference in Birmingham. It was put on by the Beeson Divinity School there. And so we had gone to that worship, that preacher's conference, and they have worship every night. And at the very end of that service, uh, the worship leader got up on stage, and he said, listen, before we even begin this time of worship, I want to know what it is that's keeping you from fully worshiping tonight. What is it that's holding you back from really just being open to the Lord and singing His praise? Is there an issue of struggle or an issue of trust? Whatever that is, I want you to write it down on the piece of paper, fold it up, put it in your pocket because you're putting that away because you're giving that to the Lord. Just give it to the Lord and you fully worship God tonight. So you know what I wrote down? <laughs> We're about to start a new school year with our kids, not knowing where those funds are going to come from. I said, Lord, I'm just struggling here. I don't see your provision in this. I don't know how we're going to get there. But, Lord, I'm just going to give it to you, and I'm going to worship you tonight. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put that away, and I'm going to trust you with that. So after that worship service, uh, we got up the next morning, drove home. That was the closing service, and hit my answering machine. And you already know what the answering machine said, right? I got a phone call from somebody that's a friend from 15 years before that said hey we just been praying and last night we just felt led that we need to help you all with your schooling the Lord just put it on our hearts so we want to cover all three kids for one year if that's okay to do that now of course I'm just knocked out by this and I run to Sarah and I said Sarah I'm going to tell you I hadn't told you this what I wrote on my card last night was this issue that I, need, I wasn't trusting the Lord, and I just needed to give it to him. She said, Barry, what do you think was on my card? <laughs> and we called her parents to tell them this news. They knew that family. And Sarah's mom said, what do you think was on my card? <laughs> <laughs> to trust the Lord. Uh, to trust him with how we do business. To trust him with his provision all over every page of Proverbs, not just principles, live by this to honor him and, and just as importantly to honor our neighbor. That compassionate concern God has for those on the margin, for those that we interact with, you see it over and over again, but also to know uh, the name of the Lord, Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. Then lastly, there's this other theme that just keeps popping up, and it's this reminder to us is the importance of right fear before the Lord. One commentary I read this week says, we have all but lost the capacity for reverence. We have all lost that capacity. The loss of reverence for God so quickly leads to the loss of reverence, here's the kicker, for people made in his image and loss of respect for the whole of creation. Proverbs 16, 6 says, And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps from evil. It's a good reminder to the people of God. It's a tough word, but a good word. And it's a right word about fear, a biblical kind of fear. So it's rightly placed. But when you and I are reverent before God, it's hard to not treat our neighbor correctly. 
If we have put our lives reverently before him, then we will, as this commentary says, rightly love others well. How is it that we need to catch that anew? To, to have a right reverence before God, his worship, his name, his glory, and how does that need to impact and infect how I rightly love and care for those around me? How is it this week that you and I need to respond uh, to this word, to, to be careful to avoid, doesn't mean we don't engage, but a careful to avoid sins, because there's such a large corporate uh, 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 effect of that. How is it you and I need to have a right fear before the Lord? How is it, how is it you're not trusting God? Page after page, as we started this morning, He is directing steps. How is it I need to trust Him with that? Let's pray about that this morning. Father, we thank you for these weeks together. We pray that you will continue to work through your word and by your Holy Spirit to draw us closer to you, to, to do a work within our hearts, to change us and to grow us, Father as well, to transform how we live so that others might know of your glory, that they might see Jesus Christ in us. Help us to rightly fear you, to be careful with our steps and with our words, to be careful in how we live with others. Help us to trust you with whatever we need to put on a card today and to say this is keeping me back from a full life with God, to be completely transparent with God. Father, help us to name that today and just give that to you, trusting your love and your provision. Father, as well, but your Holy Spirit, help us to see where we have gotten too close to things that are sinful oh give us a heart quickly to respond and to avoid the things that do not please you we pray all these things for your glory and it is in your son's name we pray amen